0: Hey friends, welcome back to The Catwalk. My name is Clark Cowden. I'm the host of this podcast and I'm glad that you have joined me again for this week's message. Uh, Today we are beginning a new series called The Rising Sun, where we're looking at the life of Jesus in the Gospel of Mark. We're going to take one message a week for the next nine weeks leading up to Easter and kind of take a fresh look at his actions and the things that he said and uh, what that tells us about God and how we're called to live our lives. Uh, Today's message is the first in the series, and it's called The Dance. I invite you to sit back and relax and reflect on this message called The Dance. The Dance Today we are beginning a new sermon series called The Rising Sun. For the next nine weeks, uh, we're going to be walking through some key sections of the Gospel of Mark as he describes who Jesus is, why it's important to know him and follow him, and why Easter Sunday is the most important day of the year. In the year AD 130, Papias, who was the Bishop of Heriopolis, wrote that Mark had been a secretary and translator for the Apostle Peter, one of Jesus' first twelve disciples. He said that Mark wrote accurately all that Peter remembered. This testimony is of particular significance, since there is evidence that Bishop Papias actually knew John, another of Jesus' first twelve disciples. Mark mentions Peter more than any of the other gospels do. As you read through the Gospel of Mark, you'll see that practically nothing happens in which Peter is not present. The entire Gospel of Mark, then, is almost certainly the eyewitness testimony of the Apostle Peter. Mark is not written like dry history. It's written in the present tense and is full of action. It was written to tell us many important things about Jesus that we need to know. Jesus was not merely a historical figure. He is a living reality, a person who addresses us today. In the very first sentence, Mark tells us that God is broken into human history. His writing style communicates a sense of crisis. He is telling us that the status quo of our world has been disrupted. From the very beginning of the gospel, Mark is telling us that the world is not a closed system of only natural causes. We can no longer think of human systems or traditions as inevitable or absolute anymore. Jesus has come into the world. This means that everything has changed. Nothing is set in stone. Anything can happen. Mark wants us to see that the coming of Jesus calls for decisive action. Jesus is a man of action moving quickly from event to event. Mark doesn't give us a lot of Jesus' teachings. He tells us mostly about Jesus' actions. And he is telling us that we need to respond with action. So we begin with Mark chapter 1, verses 1 through 13. Hear now this reading from the Word of God. This is the good news about Jesus the Messiah, the Son of God. It began just as the prophet Isaiah had written Look, I am sending my messenger ahead of you, and he will prepare your way. He is a voice shouting in the wilderness Prepare the way for the Lord's coming, clear the road for him. This messenger was John the Baptist. He was in the wilderness and preached that people should be baptized to show that they had repented of their sins and turned to God to be forgiven. All of Judea, including all of the people of Jerusalem, went out to see and hear John. And when they confessed their sins, he baptized them in the Jordan River. His clothes were woven from coarse camel hair, and he wore a leather belt around his waist. For food, he ate locusts and wild honey. John announced, someone is coming soon who is greater than I am so much greater that I'm not even worthy to stoop down like a slave and untie the straps of his sandals. I baptize you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. One day Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee, and John baptized him in the Jordan River. As Jesus came up out of the water, he saw the heavens splitting apart and the Holy Spirit descending on him like a dove. And a voice from heaven said, You are my dearly beloved son, and you bring me great joy. The Spirit then compelled Jesus to go into the wilderness, where he was tempted by Satan for 40 days. He was out among the wild animals and the angels took care of him. We can think of Jesus' entry into our world as a dance. This passage talks about three things. The invitation to the dance, the reality of the dance, and entering the dance. First of all is the invitation to the dance. In verses 1 through 8, Mark wastes no time establishing the identity of Jesus so you know who you will be dancing with. Mark doesn't tell us anything about the birth of Jesus. He completely ignores the first 30 years of Jesus' life, choosing to jump right in with his adult ministry. In his very first sentence, he says that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God. The Greek word for Messiah is the word Christos which means an anointed royal figure. The Messiah was the one the Jewish people believed would administer God's rule on earth and rescue Israel from their oppressors and their troubles. He would not be just a king, but the king. Describing Jesus as the Son of God was a bold term because it was a claim of divinity. By quoting a passage from Isaiah, Mark asserts that John the Baptist is the fulfillment of his prophecy. And in so doing, Mark is equating Jesus with the Lord himself, with God Almighty. He is describing Jesus as the long-awaited king who would rescue his people. Mark is rooting Jesus in the historic ancient religion of Israel. He is making the case that Christianity is not a completely new thing. Jesus stepped into a river that had already been flowing for a very long time. Jesus is the fulfillment of all the biblical prophets' longings and visions, and he is the one who has come to renew and rule The entire universe. This incredible king has come because he wants to have a personal relationship with you. He has stepped into our world and he is inviting you to dance with him. Mark introduces John the Baptist as the old-fashioned town crier who stands up in the town square and announces that the prince is coming to town for a ball. Everyone is invited to come to the dance. But if you want to dance with the prince, you have to prepare yourself. John the Baptist says you must repent of your sins, turn to God, and be baptized. If you do that, the prince will dance with you. Mark doesn't want you to stand along the edges of the dance floor, watching everybody else dance with Jesus. He doesn't want you to just watch him from a distance or study him in a book. Jesus is offering his hand to you. He wants you to step onto the floor, dance with him, and get to know him. He will lead if you will follow. The second part of this passage is the reality of the dance. In verses 9 through 11, Mark tells us that Jesus was from the town of Nazareth in the state of Galilee, and that he was baptized by John. He is grounding Jesus in an actual historical place, in actual historical events. This is not like the Muslim or the Mormon religions, which are both based on visions that single individuals supposedly had, without any witnesses to verify they actually took place. Christianity is grounded in the reality of history, in actual life events that were observed and witnessed by hundreds and thousands of people. One of these historical events was Jesus' baptism, where the heavens split apart and the Holy Spirit descended on him like a dove, and a voice from heaven said, You are my beloved Son, and you bring me great joy. This actually happened. There were eyewitnesses who actually saw the dove and heard the voice. If you go back to the very first chapter of the Bible in Genesis 1, it describes three parties who were active in the creation of the world. God, the Spirit of God, And the Word of God. These same three parties are present at Jesus' baptism the Father who gives the voice from heaven, the Son being baptized, who is the Word, and the Spirit fluttering like a dove. Mark is deliberately pointing us back to creation to the very beginning of history. Just as the original creation of the world was a project of the triune God, Mark says the same thing is happening now in the redemption of the world. The new king has arrived, and this too is a project of the triune God. The Christian teaching of the Trinity is mysterious and one which is always hard to explain. The doctrine of the Trinity is that God is one God, eternally existent in three persons. This is not tritheism, which believes in three different gods. This is not unipersonalism, where a god sometimes takes one form, but sometimes takes another. Instead, the Trinitarianism of Christianity holds that there is one God in three persons, who know and love each other. God is not more one than three, and not more three than one. C.S. Lewis describes it this way. In Christianity, God is not a static thing, but a dynamic, pulsating activity, a life, almost a kind of drama almost, if you will not think me irrelevant, a kind of dance. The theologian Cornelius Platinga says that the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit exalt each other, commune with each other, and defer to one another. Each divine person harbors the other at the center of his being. In a constant movement of overture and acceptance, Each person envelops and encircles the others. God's interior life overflows with regard for others. Why does this matter to us? Again, C.S. Lewis says, It matters more than anything else in the whole world. The whole dance of this three-personal life is to be played out in each one of us. Joy, power, peace, and eternal life are a great fountain of energy and beauty spurting up at the very center of reality. Why does C.S. Lewis dwell on this image of the dance? It may be because a self-centered life is a stationary life. It's static, not dynamic. A self-centered person wants to be the center around which everything else orbits. A self-centered person wants the world to revolve around them. They always want to be the center of attention. But you were not meant to dance alone. You were created to dance with God. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit are dancing with each other. No person in the Trinity insists that the others revolve around him. Rather, each of them voluntarily circles and orbits around the others. So if we are going to imitate God, we cannot be people who live and act as if the world revolves around us. If you're always focused on yourself, you will not be a good dance partner. A good dance partner is focused on the other person leading or responding and helping someone else move to the music and enjoy the dance. Jesus came into our world to invite you to dance with him. You can't really do that if you're always focused on yourself. The third part of this passage is about entering the dance. Verses 12 and 13 tell us that after Jesus was baptized, the Holy Spirit compelled him to go out into the wilderness where he was tempted by Satan for 40 days, where he lived among the wild animals and where the angels ministered to him. Mark is showing us that even though Jesus has invited us to the dance, we will experience our world as a battle. In the same way that the Bible begins with Satan tempting Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden, Jesus' ministry begins with Satan tempting him in the wilderness. He mentions that Jesus was living among wild animals because he was writing this at a time when Christians were being thrown to wild animals. Sometimes I feel like we're living among wild animals today. This wilderness is not just some random detour into trouble. This is where the battle takes place. This is where growth and maturity happen. Temptation is not impersonal there is an actual enemy doing the tempting. Mark treats Satan as a reality, not a myth. This sounds jarring in our contemporary cultures as some people are skeptical about the supernatural, let alone the demonic. To some people, Satan is a personification of evil left over from a superstitious pre-scientific society. They think he is just a symbol of evil. But if you believe in a good personal God, it is perfectly reasonable to believe that there are evil personal spiritual beings too. The Bible says that in the world there are real forces of evil. And these forces are tremendously complex and smart. Satan, the chief of these evil forces, is tempting us away from God. When you are dancing with God, Satan comes along and wants to cut in. He tries to get you to stop dancing with God and start dancing with him. The good news is that God doesn't leave us defenseless. Jesus has already confronted Satan in the wilderness And he did not give in to his temptation. Jesus overcame the temptation. Jesus has already defeated Satan. And in the same way that the angels came to minister to Jesus and strengthen him, the angels can minister to you and strengthen you so that you are not overcome by the forces of evil in our world. This is the way that Mark opens his gospel. He's not wordy. He doesn't beat around the bush. He gets right down to business. This is an action-packed gospel. He wants you to know that Jesus came into our world to invite you to dance with him. John the Baptist put out the invitation for everyone to come and see Jesus. He describes the reality of the dance as a real historical event. Many people were present to witness Jesus' baptism, the dove of the Holy Spirit that came down from above, and the voice of God from heaven saying, You are my dearly beloved Son, and you bring me great joy. And he describes how we enter the dance. As Jesus entered the wilderness to face off with the devil, he gives us hope that we can also emerge victorious from our wilderness. We know that Satan will try to tempt you too. We know it's a battle, but Christ already won this battle and he can help you win it too. The wilderness is not the place of defeat. The wilderness is the place of growth and victory and maturity. So the question is, have you started dancing with God yet? Are you still on the edge of the dance floor, just watching everybody else dance with God? Are you hesitant to get on the dance floor, thinking that people might laugh at you or make fun of you? God doesn't want you to be just a spectator. God wants you to be a participant. He wants you to dance with him, to move with the music, and to follow his lead. God initiates, and we accept. God leads, and we follow. Have you accepted his invitation to dance? If not, as we start this new year, I want to encourage you to believe in Jesus and to start dancing with God. God bless. Stay safe. See you soon.